0: Glad Tidings, the Athletic's Everton Football Club podcast. Plenty to discuss in this week's episode. It's uh, me, Greg O'Keefe, and as usual, I'm joined by Paddy Boyland. And in this one, we're going to talk about Jean-Philippe Cabanon and whether or not Everton's, I wouldn't say forgotten man, but certainly lesser-seen midfielder can still make an impact in a blue shirt when he comes back. We're going to chat to Paddy about his... Brilliant interview with Luke Garbutt, once considered the contender to replace Leighton Baines, the left back who's now on loan at Ipswich. And lastly, we'll chat about the uh, read on the site today, which is a piece about Everton's big summer off the pitch and whether or not that's going to be affected by the COVID-19 crisis. We'll start straight into it, Pad. I don't want to eat into uh, your time too much. I know that you're currently... Obsessed with killing Eve, and any any minute away from the box sets is uh, is torture for you, really, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I think the the only thing to just add to that is that if anybody's not aware of Killing Eve, that is a program, and I'm not some kind of psychopathic murderer. Here. <laughs> the, the, the show <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Killing Eve, the, the show the show Killing Eve is very very good. I've not got a vendetta against any people called Eve, um, although obviously a certain Scouse actress in um, <laughs> in the show that we're talking about. Does, um, but yeah, definitely uh, that—that's one that I've been watching and, and kind of been really interested in um, for quite a while. So check that out if you haven't. It just gives us that this the lockdown period because there's so little to actually do. I just find myself getting sucked into just binge watching TV. I don't know if you've found this as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're all in the same boat when it comes to that, mate. Don't worry about that. Well, certainly someone who's had plenty of time on his hands even before. Lockdown, down through no fault of his own, of course, is Jean Philippe Uh He signed from Mines ostensibly to replace Idrissa guy and that was a very tall order, uh, as you discuss in your piece. Uh, Twenty twenty-three million pound, um, and, and as you say in your preamble, he's played just one hundred and thirty-five minutes. And you know, you spoke to a lot of people who explained the thinking behind signing him and and, and what he might still add, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I did, and and obviously that's the what what you've said there is the really important thing that he was never meant to be a carbon copy of Idrissa Gay simply because people like Idrissa Gay are few and far between. the 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 fact of the matter is that Everton had a player that was wanted by a top Champions League club, um, and he was good enough to go to a top Champions League club, Idrissa gay off the basis of. Quite a lot of outstanding performances for Everton over a number of seasons, I'd say. Really consistent um, in terms of his stats and his his defensive abilities. So finding a replica was always going to be very tough. And I don't think Everton, despite kind of looking around for one for a while, I don't think Everton really got to the stage where they, they were happy with an option that was showing signs of being capable of replacing Gay from a defensive side. But then also being good enough on a ball, on the ball, to, to potentially take Everton to kind of top four, top six, and beyond. Um, so this is where somebody like Gabamin really appeals because mm. if you look at the piece and you look at the numbers in the piece, it's quite clear that he doesn't get through the same amount, the same depth of defensive work as Idrissa yeah. Gay. But he is he's, he's completely different in size and stature. He's 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 mobile in a different way. He, I mean, if you watch him, he. I do a few kind of testimonies from people that had scouted him and had, had worked with him before, and one guy was saying that uh, Ben Garner, who's now the, the manager of Bristol Rovers, he he spoke about going to scout him while he was at West Brom. He was assistant coach at West Brom, and he went to a game in 2017. Yeah, and it was Mainz against Eintracht Frankfurt, and okay. they weren't actually they weren't actually scouting. Jean-Philippe they were Frankfurt had a few attractive options and they had an eye on a striker but they wanted a midfielder and so on and so forth. Anyway, about 10-15 minutes in, Gabamon picks up the ball in central midfield and he's been doing his defensive duties diligently. He's playing as a number six in front of the back four and there's just this burst of pace with the ball, dribbling through the middle and just cutting right through the heart of the Frankfurt team. And I think that's what Everton have, like Ghana, that's what Everton... I've seen in yeah. Gabamin. He he was meant to be. The the idea was effectively to buy somebody who could play either in a two or in a three and, and we've we've spoken before in in podcasts and on on the website about um Silver's plans for a morph from four two three one to four three three. I think I think the grand plan was an idea that saw Delph and Gabamin Lining up with Andre Gomez in quite a fluid three, where they'd all kind of mix, mm. mix and match, and they'd all be able to do a bit of everything. Obviously, Gomez is not as good defensively as the other two, but um, the idea was to be quite fluid in in the way they went to play. Sigurdsson, Gilfy Sigurdsson, obviously, is, well, he did cloud the waters there. But what happened is Gabamin's, obviously, through almost through no fault of his own, you would suggest, certainly in terms of the initial injury injured very early on in August after only just starting to, to get minutes under his belt with Everton. And as, as I outline in the piece, two bouts of surgery, two relapses, mm-hmm. initially meant to be out, I think, for Everton didn't think he would need surgery initially. And he, he was originally expected to be out for two to three months from August, getting him back into action sometime in October. He actually has surgery in October. And even now we're in we're in the month of... It, in the month of um, April now, obviously, and even now, he's um, he's he's still not back in full training. Although Everton say he's recovering quite well, so it's a kind of tale. I don't know about you, but it's kind of a tale of what might have been. And we've had ages to ponder the four nil defeat against Chelsea, Everton's last in the Premier League. And I think that was the that was that was a reminder. It wasn't. It was it was a terrible day, and I was at Stamford Bridge, and it really really annoyed me. But it was a reminder. Quite a quite an important reminder of where this Everton side needs to improve uh, for me. They, they look comfortably second best in the middle of the park and with that 4-4-2 system, they just got completely swamped by Chelsea and, and the fluidity of movement, the likes of um, Barkley, Billy Gilmore, Mason Mount drifting in off the left. Lampard kind of did a bit of a number on Ancelotti there and Everton didn't seem up to it in the middle of the field, so it kind of makes the clamour to get Gabamin back whenever football does resume even more important. And of course, Ancelotti wants his own player too. So I, I don't know about you, I just, I just look at this and I think we, we Everton have signed somebody and we, we, we've heard lots of positive things from a variety of different people, but we don't know how he's going to recover despite indications from Everton that he's doing well in, in that stage of his recuperation. And this is the one area of the pitch that I look at and think if Everton want to be top four top six this is the area they need to iron out uh, more than any other so kind of fingers crossed from his perspective for, a, for a, a speedy recovery and when he does get back in he can kind of hit the ground running.
0: Yeah I absolutely agree and it's often baffles me football with injuries and you know you read about them when they initially happen and, and obviously ones like Andre Gomez is when you first see it and you think well, that's that's him out for a year at least, and then when you read yeah. that that um, torn a muscle in his quadricep, and you think, well, you know, you'd actually look at the two recovery times, and this isn't a comment or criticism of, of Gabbaman in any way, and it's almost remarkable that you'd think that they would be yeah. flipped, um, but it just shows you sometimes that those niggly injuries that of the likes that um, Gabbaman suffered can can be more damaging. Let's hope that. He returns and, he, and he's able to. Again, we could go on all day, but this is part of the problem with this sort of whole quagmire of resuming the season. You know, these players are going to have a relatively short pre season period and have to hit the ground running in an intensive period of games. And on yeah. one hand, we're going to need, need as many players as we can get, but then as others, we're going to risk re injuries and, and all sorts. So it really is uh, its a complicated one. Well, moving on, because I, this is an interview that I. Um, didn't write some. I'm not. I'm not uh, a bit bigging myself up, but I absolutely uh, enjoyed reading over a coffee um, yesterday, and it was Luke Garbutt. Uh He's he's a player I watched a lot when I was covering Everton when he broke in under Martinez, or say broke in when he he played a lot of games under Martinez. Fantastic left back. Then uh, looked like he would be the the sort of natural successor. Leighton Baines had some of the same qualities and. It just never quite happened for him, really, after that season, did it? And, and you you chatted with him this week and, and found out why. Yeah, I think
1: the first thing to say on this one is that I was really, really impressed with how honest Luke was over his time at Everton. Maybe some of the decisions he's made and and why things maybe haven't turned turned out in the way that he'd hoped. And some of the some of the comments in the beneath the article were saying things along the lines of, "I didn't even realise Luke Harper was still an Everton player." And we've obviously got a lot of them still on the books. I mean, I, I, I went through it and I was saying, we've still got Shani I remember him, on the books. Yannick Balassi, Sandro Ramirez, Mohamed Besic, Matty Pennington is still an, Ever- an Everton player contractually. Um, Garbutt's deal, uh, he signed a long-term deal, a five-year deal in 2015. Actually amid quite a lot of clamour for his own services, given how well he'd played under Roberto Martinez the year before. But he's coming to the end of his own deal this summer. Um, and it's obviously in quite a difficult place, if, if you think about it, because first of all, there's the issue over becoming a free agent at a time when teams don't have a lot of budget and we don't know what's happening with lower league sides in terms of even their very existence. But then he's also he's on loan at Ipswich um, until the end of the season. And that will need to be resolved as well, legally, in terms of being allowed to continue. And finish the season if, if that's the approach that's taken so I did feel for him a little bit there I think I think it's a difficult situation to be in and he's obviously had some very tough times at Everton um, like like you I watched him in what would have been 2014-15 and I was really impressed uh, by what I saw he was particularly in the Europa League campaign he played away against Wolfsburg uh, a 2-0 victory for Everton Um, that I think just about all of our listeners will remember a really great night, (laughs) where um, we, looking back on it, we beat a a fantastic Wolfsburg, maybe not a fantastic Wolfsburg side, but a a Wolfsburg side packed full of players that would go on to forge fantastic careers. So Kevin De Bruyne was there making his mark. Uh, Bas Doss was up front. Um, They had Ivan Perisic, I think, had a goal disallowed potentially, wrongly disallowed in that game as well. So some really good players there. Ricardo Rodriguez, um, who I think um, he was at AC Milan. He, he was a good left-back um, and He's a dangerous left-back. Yeah. He, he was, in terms of his delivery and everything else, a really good left foot. But I just remember Garber kind of bombing up and down that left flank and thinking to myself, we've already got the long-term replacement to Leighton Baines here, which is no mean feat. Um, and I think Garbutt almost thought that himself. I mean he said to me there was a, there was a line in the piece where he effectively says Everton fans were saying I would be this, that, and the other. And I think I kind of believed it a little bit myself. I think he he had an idea that he, he was in position to be um, without taking anything for granted Everton's um, left back for, for a number of years after Baines eventually kind of moved on. We all know that it hasn't turned out like that. We all know that he will leave Everton now, as he as he admitted to me in the piece. The overwhelming chances are that he will leave Everton this summer, a free agent, and look look for um, a move elsewhere. Um, but he's a yeah, kind of a refreshingly honest interview. I thought a, a guy that kind of has admitted some of those mistakes. He now works with, among other things, had a really tough time at Fulham after the signing new deal at Everton and going out on loan. Um, a switch to Bournemouth collapsed at the eleventh hour which he talks me through extensively in the piece. And he'd met with Eddie Howe, contracts were signed, and then Bournemouth went and signed Tyrone Minks without kind of informing him. So then he goes on loan to Fulham and has a difficult time there, gets injured. And he he credits that as the kind of the moment which his Everton career started to spiral out of control and he knew things weren't going well. And I think those decisions have obviously, he looks back on now in hindsight and he's... He maybe regrets some of them a little bit, not to put words in his mouth, and he is um, now employing as a result, because of his confidence and how it's sapped away, he's now employing a a sports psychologist to help him um, weekly while he's playing with Ipswich and doing pretty well with Ipswich, so... I mean, he, let's hope he, he leaves Everton. He's not going to stay on at Everton. You wouldn't have thought, but let's hope he leaves Everton. He goes on to forge at 26 now. He's still got years ahead of him, and he, he could go on to forge a decent career. But it's just another one of those cases we've we've had quite a few of these over the last few weeks in the podcast, mate. Where we've just we've spoken about Everton players that we've thought would be so much more. Um, there's a long list as we went through the other week, and I think Luke Garbutt is another example of that. Another guy who. At one stage, just seemed to have everything going for him, and it's just a shame of how it's turned
0: out. I totally agree, um, and, and you know, you mentioned that this summer, it's it's obviously big for for everyone, really. Players in, in Luke's situation, other players who you know who are uh, out of contract in June, and then for the club itself, off the pitch. Um, you and I were chatting at the start of the week, and we were kind of obviously everything has got the caveat at the moment with you know, it doesn't doesn't even. Warrant kind of mentioning we all know that the times we're living in and how football is, is in, in many ways, second to to people's lives and, yeah. and the current the current crisis. But you know clubs are still having to plan for for the next step when football does resume. And Everton have got some significant uh, changes on the horizon, um, not least the Bramley Moor, which people have have wondered is that going to be affected by the, the likely recession or or worse after COVID. Um, there's the, the prospect of a new share sponsor, a sport pacer that deal will finish with the closure of this season. And then uh, the likelihood of a new kit, kit manufacturer as well. And it, it, we were certainly something that we were being asked, wasn't it, more often, you know, fan, you know fans, were, yep. we were chatting on Twitter with other Blues who were saying, you know, is this going to affect everything?
1: Yeah, and I mean, a lot of this, this is the, the nature of the beast, isn't it, with, with COVID, it's it's thrown a lot of things up in the air. I think we'll when football resumes, and it won't, in my opinion, resume in its fullest form for quite a while. Um, certainly not in front of kind of full uh, stadiums and stuff like that. When it when it eventually resumes, um, the landscape will be different, and that will go for transfer fees. It will go for contracts. It will be just across, just about everything across the board, and in, in terms of how we operate as as a game and um, as an institution. Um, and with, with that in mind, there, there are some quite big questions, I think, that certainly you tried to answer in the piece uh, and did answer. Um, what happens with uh, the stadium at Bramley Moor Dock? What happens with the search for a replacement for Sport Pessor on the front of the kit? What happens with the kit manufacturer, Umbro? Um, some quite interesting stuff, I thought, um, there from you with regards to what's likely to happen um, or what we know is going to happen. Um, with Umbro, um, and all this stuff th- has, has as being thrown up in the air at a time when Everton are looking to to obviously push. We know, and we've reported as such that Everton are really looking to push on their own commercial deals. I don't know if you saw going off in a slight time. I don't know if you saw the um the piece out on Thursday, looking at the association with Angry Birds and the yes. three yeah. images <laughs> of the Everton players. <laughs> um, yeah, I who I I, I don't know about you but I only got one out of the three when I was um yeah. when I was trying to identify them. Um no the the new ones, have you I don't know if you've seen the new ones. There are three new Everton characters out in Angry Bird form. I uh, thought
0: one of them was still Walcott, <laughs> honestly. I I didn't I don't get them right. I can't get
1: any of them. No, I got I got one and that was that was because it was a it was it was quite clearly a goalkeeper. So it was gonna yeah. be Jordan Pickford. The other two I couldn't get, but they are, I am reliably informed, Yeri Mina and Andre Gomez.
0: <laughs> Just, they're, <laughs> they're fantastic i have to be honest i didn't get that one they're absolutely fantastic i wondered i, I wondered it doesn't make me laugh and i believe you know that that in terms of um we talk about everton and um, praising the sort of innovative uh, deals they do off the pitch the link up with, with angry birds has been um been viewed in many ways as an industry sort of trendsetter you know it was the yeah the, the amounts of exposure that it's got for Angry Birds and Rovio games, that the, the company that owns them, has just been incredible. Um, so that's one yeah, that they but... may look to renegotiate and renew rather than move away from.
1: Well, I think it's been, uh, certainly the way it's been put to us, it as mutually beneficial, i.e. It's, it's got Everton into different markets and it's got the Angry Birds brand into different markets. They've been able to use Premier League footballers, and in some cases, current England, Colombia, Portugal internationals to... Um, further the exposure of their own brand. I think the the one question I have with that and, and, and yes it is being assessed currently, but Everton will ask all of their current partners and future partners to effectively commit to growing commercially. Um in terms of money they put into the club with the club. So it's it's kind of a case of you've got to put up here and you've got to got got to make this deal as lucrative as possible. Obviously all all parties have been happy with Angry Birds but I wouldn't know, for example, how Angry Birds might necessarily look at positioning themselves in the market. I know when they initially signed the deal, they had a film that was going to be out. So they wanted to kind of get that into the kind of the footballing sphere, um, and which is obviously quite an extensive sport. Sports, fans, quite an extensive demographic. So I think that one is up in the air. and. Um, Obviously, they've lost Sport PESA as well, Everton. Um, they chose to get rid of Sport PESA. And um, the search for a blue chip sponsor, as they're calling it, continues there. What, what, what was your understanding, for those that haven't read the piece, what, what was your understanding of that situation with regards to how the search is going in this kind of difficult climate? How that search is going not just for the sport PESA replacement, but also, for example you you speak a little bit about the deal with Umbro. what well, for those that haven't read it what what's your understanding of those situations?
0: So I think they're quite separate. I think in terms of the search for a share fund sponsor, uh, I think there are you know pre pandemic there were some very positive discussions with some suitably um different from a gambling firm anyway and and sort of prestigious blue chip as they keep uh, you know as the references. Uh, firms, um, I think those have carried on, albeit they've taken less prominence during the the, the pandemic. Um, and I think there's an understanding that whilst they do that, they're still going to need to agree a deal and they still need to make sure it's the right sponsor going forward, that this is going to change the economic landscape. So it's going to be, the, you know, the goalposts will have shifted. So, you know, they'll get something done, but we'll have to just wait and see in the shakeup whether you know the money will be the same that they agree on and whether the companies that initially were were interested will still be there but I do think that they've they were sort of reasonably close so I think there will be there will be a positive outcome there in terms of the kit manufacturer um yeah, I think that's you know something that's even further down down the road so um I'd just say watch this space really and then the the most important one for blues is with the bramley Moore and that's where I spoke to um, a guy called Henry Morrison who's the director of the Northern Powerhouse uh, Partnership, um, which was kind of set up uh, by, uh, well, George Osborne is the chairman, the former Chancellor of the Exchequer, and that's to kind of stand up for businesses and communities across the north of England. Um, and he's a massive advocate of Bramley Moore Stadium, uh, and he was talking about it on a on a national level, its importance for the British economy, and a, a huge importance to the north and the northwest. Compared it... The, the impact it could have on the North Docks area in in, in Liverpool is the same as the sort of Etihad had on East Manchester, um, which yeah. he, you know he said it transformed East Manchester economically and and really c- continued the the sort of the boom in Manchester and the progression of Manchester as a as a big northwestern hub anyway. And he sees that as having the same impact with Everton Stadium, and more importantly, he feels that there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic despite the difficulties of COVID, the Everton Stadium will, will proceed and will proceed more or less to the timescale that, um, that they spoken about. I know Joe Anderson has said similar things. He doesn't think planning will be too uh, heavily affected by what's yeah. going on. The planning committees can still meet uh, yeah. remotely. Uh, you know, they with, are, The way yeah. we all, we're all adapting to working from home and using things like Zoom and uh, or various video calling uh, packages. So... Yeah, it was it was a positive piece, um, and I know a lot of people will be will be intrigued to see, certainly with with the kit and, and the shirt front, uh, when those things are going to be announced. And I just think that you know Everton are very sensitive to the sort of the the bigger picture here, and uh, you know, yeah, they'll only talk about these things when the time's right. And you know, we, I don't think the time's right when we're still in the just going through the peak of a crisis that, that that people are losing their lives by the hundreds every day. So I think that'll be later later in the summer.
1: Yeah, well, I, th- I think the, the, the other thing to point out there is that I don't think that just goes necessarily for commercial deals. I think Everton as a football club are wanting to channel an awful lot of their efforts, rightly so in my opinion, into the Blue Family campaign, um, the, the scheme of kind of that, that is helping so many local residents to the L4 area around Goodison. With kind of day-to-day essentials and and kind of support during this really difficult time um because of that i think they also then don't want to necessarily look as though for example they're kind of rubber stamping commercial deals they're doing any kind of they're doing anything to kind of belittle the situation that we're currently in and um, transfers will fall into that as well. I mean, obviously, there's been lots and lots of stuff about Gabrielle from Lille. Uh, there have been lots of weird and wonderful rumours. Uh, <laughs> some of some of which strike me as being absolute nonsense. Other others may well have 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 stuff in them. I don't know, but <laughs> certainly the Gabriel one is is that that's something that we we understand to be correct. And I, I don't expect Everton to to announce anything. Say there. Um, at this moment in time, because that would tie into what we're saying about almost not wanting to do the current um, situation a bit of a disservice by 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 tr- focusing on what the club would consider to be, I guess, tri- trivial things. Certainly, in comparison with with coronavirus. So things are things will happen, and I think things will progress naturally. Um, we may hear about them in time, but I think that the fair assessment certainly. From your piece and from what I've been told, Greg, is that um, every, it, it, there'll be a lot of change. There'll be a, there'll be a lot of change. I could have over the summer in terms of those commercial deals. Yeah, we we'll see a new manufacturer. We'll sh- see a new um, shared sponsor. Um, the Bramley Moore scheme will will enter a very very important um, place when um, councillors. Planning committee, councillors, and officials look at that over the summer, probably over Skype or Zoom or whatever they're using. Um, So I think this is a—it's a really interesting period for Everton in terms of the future of the club, um, because something that needs to happen—the stadium, obviously—to push Everton on financially, and the commercial deals will do the same. So it'll kind of—that'll almost kind of create the bedrock and the foundation. For much of what's to follow over the next five, ten, even beyond, um, so intriguing stuff. We'll we'll keep you abreast of anything we hear and we see. As 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 obviously Greg did in his piece um, on the site today, which is a really good read. Check it out, and and certainly we'll continue yeah, to, to to look at look for those in, interesting kind of stories and the the things that kind of go on outside of the everyday footballing operation.
0: We certainly will. Uh, you can actually, if if you're not a subscriber yet, you can uh, you can join the club. Uh, for free at the moment for 90 days and all you need to do is go to theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod that's theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod and you can check out what we've been talking about um, for 90 days log on every morning read the pieces and decide whether or not you uh, you want to Let's sign up by the end of that 90 day period. And uh, like I say, um, we hope you see the value in what we're doing. And um, we certainly enjoy the interaction underneath the stories and the comments and enjoy uh, chatting to you every week in the podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week.